little distinctions and insights along the way, that's what's going to make your life easier in the coming years, where you don't have to reinvent the wheel or make the same mistake. And what's beautiful is you're often hearing the same things, believing in yourself, being vulnerable, being consistent, doing the work. And here's one theme, if you didn't notice throughout this entire you know, session yesterday and today, is like my friends and the people we have coming on here, are, there's just humility there. There is the student's mindset here that we're all just keep learning. We're all still reading the books. We're all still trying to do the things. Here's Lewis talking about, he just ran his first 10 miles yesterday. Like we are all still in active development. And like I shared with you this morning, it was a hot mess getting this live cast ready today. A hot mess. And so be okay with the hot messness of it, but stay consistent. Be okay everything's not perfect, but have a unique point of view. Be okay that sometimes you get frustrated or down, but show up tomorrow. This is what makes greatness. This is what makes you grow. And this is what makes you really connect with the audience. You know, this isn't an easy thing to do. There's lots of other easier jobs, in my opinion. There's lots of other easier careers, in my opinion. But the ability to impact so many people and in such deep and meaningful ways, that's what gets us all lit up. All right. With that, please share this post, hashtag Influencer Summit. Put it out there for us to follow and see you. Also, I want to remind you, we have a, a challenge going for you all. If you would, in our Influencer Summit Facebook group, uh, remember, you can share your life lessons that you've learned this year or your biggest life lesson you've ever had in your life this year or otherwise. Do a short three-minute or less video. Post that in that Facebook group. And remember, I'm going to be giving thousands of dollars of marketing and training away free. We'll just pick some winners from that group of people posting their stories in there that we find inspiring and we'll hook you up. It's just our way of saying thank you for being vulnerable enough to put yourself out there. That's the thing. Being vulnerable enough to put yourself out there, caring about being consistent, caring about the quality and the value, being on that path of mastery, getting better and better and better because you can all grow into who you want to become. You can all develop yourselves. And our next guests are masters at that, like pro game, like understand how to have impact, but understand to have impact. You got to develop mastery. You got to learn. You got to have the discipline to, to show up and do the hard work over and over and over again. They are the hosts of easily one of my favorite shows uh, out there, period, especially on, on YouTube something I watch all the time, and I've had the blessing of actually being a guest on, so now I'm super nervous of hosting them. I've got Lisa and Tom Bilyeu, the hosts of Impact Theory, the hosts of all things good and genius, the founders and creators and brilliant um, business people behind Quest Nutrition, who I have just learned from. Actually, I have one of their bars going on right over here, and... I just love them so much. And apparently, I got Lisa and Tom in the house. Are you guys here? We are. Ah! We're on the internet. <laughs> Tom, Lisa, I love you both. Good seeing you guys. Thank hey, dude. So, so nice to see you. Anytime that we can get some cycles with you, we'll take it. Oh, man. Uh, Listen, welcoming you guys to Influencer Summit is huge. So everyone take a screenshot, share it out, give it some love to these two. Both follow Tom and Lisa Bilyeu up on Instagram. Um, 
I have so much I want to talk with you about. I've been trying to find unique angles to everyone of our friends coming on here about what I feel like they've really nailed and what I feel like they've figured out that from their unique vantage point has really helped their business and their career. And obviously you all, what I love about your story is you succeeded in business. And then you kind of came into this influencer space and you, you, you built something huge over here and then decided, oh, we want to have impact over here. I would love for you to just talk about initially, like, what was that transition? Okay, you're great at business. Okay, you made it. But now you want to go start impact there? You want to start a show? Why? If you don't need to, I mean, what, what was the impetus behind this? Well, the, the impetus behind the transition itself was really around understanding that without meaning and purpose, you really don't have anything to sustain you um, neurologically. So you will find yourself in a neurochemical downward spiral of like emptiness and despair. And I mean that literally, like I'm not trying to be hyperbolic. If you don't have something that you care about, and then, you know, Viktor Frankl, Nietzsche, as they say, the man who can, uh, the man who has a, a why can survive almost anyhow. And when you've got Viktor Frankl writing from a concentration camp saying that what kept him going was having this meaning behind his suffering and that he knew why he was going through it. And so we just knew that, you know, all the money in the world was not going to make us feel the way we wanted to feel on a daily basis. And the thing that made us come most alive in building Quest was working with all the people. And, you know, we had, we took a really unique approach. We were open to employing um, ex-convicts. And so we were building this company essentially just outside of Compton. And you can imagine that when you put the word out on the street that you will hire ex-convicts, there are no shortage. So we had people lined up around the building just to have an interview and met some of the most extraordinary people in the world. We became obsessed with this idea that what we're seeing is a mindset problem and that if we could solve the mindset problem, then people could take care of the money problem. But if they weren't thinking in the right way, it's going to be a problem. So I was trying to help them just talking. So basically what I now call direct to camera, obviously back then I had nothing to do with the camera, but um, I was trying to help people think like an entrepreneur and realize that about 2% of the people that I told think like this, act like this, they did it and it changed themselves and their family forever. We had one girl go from um, basically struggling in school, not getting ahead, sort of below failing. I see my wife scrambling to make good on the sound here. It sounds better. It's good. You're getting at least, you're dialing it in. <laughs> and by the end of it, she just recently graduated as valedictorian of her class. So oh, wow. her father pinged me, he was, used to be my employee, and he pinged me and he said, it's specifically because of what you taught me on how to deal with my daughter that she's ended on to, you know, do as well as she did. And I just could never thank you enough. So again, all mindset stuff. And so we just thought, okay, well, if only 2% get it when you say it directly, how do you reach the other 98%? And the answer to that was to build the next Disney, that you have to hit people on an emotional level. You have to give them narrative and if you can do that, then you can impact people at just a much larger scale. And for better or worse, um, and I think I speak for both of us when I say that neither of us, you're never going to hear us say, well, at least I impacted one person. And I, I love that other people are motivated to do that. Um, but for us, we want to impact people at scale, even if it means we have to hold uh, our microphones for each other. Hey, that's okay. I was telling you, if you were 
I, my laptop is on a box right now because my standing desk of all this went kerplunk. And so, you know, we're all figuring it out as we go. Um, but I, I really celebrate that about you guys of, of, of recognizing that any community can contribute, but also recognizing that any, that any community struggles mightily with mindset and to build an empire around helping people improve their mindset is, is uh, valuable beyond belief, especially in today's world. So give you guys a round of applause for this because this is awesome, guys. This is so good. This is so good. Um, when you started, you said, okay, we're going to build the next Disney. And, and I'm, me and Lisa, we're going to do this. We're going to make this happen. Uh, here we go. Uh, how do you think of like, how do you, how do you launch something new? You know, so many people here, they want to launch a show. They, 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 they love to be big on YouTube or on other social, you know, platforms. They'd love to get their message out there. But how do you go from transitioning from one business or one part of your career or life to say, oh, now we're going to do this new brand, this new thing, and we're going to start it together. Can you walk us through that, that transition and, 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 and the strategy of just starting? Yeah, so for us, everything it came from the goals. So if we really want to impact people on a global scale, like we, we play this game that probably people have heard us talk about now, which is the no BS game, what will that actually take? So if our goal is to launch the new Disney, to create movies that are impacting people, we sat down and was like, okay, what's, what's the no BS way to getting there? And then once you've assessed that, then you can say, do I actually want to do it or not? So if that's, okay, we need 20 hours a day, seven days a week for the next 30 years, which is basically somewhat what we came up with, although he said 40 years. Um, it's like, okay, well, we know now what we have to do. And so we're in it. We just make an agreement. We sit down and we say, okay, okay, what does this mean to our personal lives? What does this mean to date night? What does this mean to vacations? What does this mean to our finances? And so we just lay everything out all based on that goal. And once we've done that, we then say, cool, now that we know what we have to do to get there, are we willing to do it? Are we willing to commit, you know, even just our relationship, which of course is going to take, you know, um, it's going to take time out of our relationship. And when you build a company like Quest and every time you keep thinking, okay, just when I get to the end, then we're going to, you know, retire. We're going to buy an island and just like drink my ties on the beach. And then... Pina coladas, you know yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> that actually wouldn't fulfill us that doesn't fulfill us on a daily basis and that doesn't fulfill the goal that we both have which is to create global impact so whether that's and I can't speak for Tom I'll, I'll let him chime in in a second but for me I never wanted to be in front of the camera I never felt comfortable I was always you know I was bullied for my looks so I was definitely insecure about how I looked and so if you had told me back then that you're going to go on camera I would say no way and when Tom first said, babe, why didn't you come on camera with me? I was like, no, no, you know, ego took over, self-esteem took over, um, all these insecurities, the negative voice of like, Lisa, who do you think you are going on camera? Who's going to listen to you? And then it just goes back to, hang on a minute, well, what is your goal? If your goal really is in, to impact people, like the no BS actually impacts people, and it means I have to go on camera to do it, am I allowing my ego, my self-esteem, and my insecurities get in the way of that goal. And I don't think that there's a right or wrong answer. If you're like, no, I want to protect my ego because I want to feel good about myself. And so going on YouTube is going to damage my self-esteem, then you shouldn't do it. But if to me, the, but then I would say, well, then if you look at your goal and didn't reach it, 
then at least you can say, but I chose not to go on camera, so I'm not surprised I didn't reach my goal. Um, so I love how you do that because you're like, okay, this is the end game. This is the purpose. This is the mission. This is the goal. And that, that willingness, am I willing to get out of my own comfort zone? Because I think you and I were uniquely similar on that. It's like I was very anti-video, you know, 10 years ago. I was like, yeah, no, I'm, I'm a writer. I read books. I'm a dork from Montana. This is not, you know, there was no way I could see where it would go. And I just had to go, okay, that's a skill. Um, you, guys, you guys talk about this a lot. Tom talks about this. It's like, oh, that, that's a required skill to have this success. This is a required skill. I'm going to go match that skill. I'm not like that naturally, perhaps. Wasn't born like that. But that's a skill I can acquire. That's something I can develop in myself. And um, you've certainly done that. What do you think has been some of the things that helped you the most kind of get over yourself, if you will, to be able to put yourselves out there? Because both of you, I think, had to do that. Yeah, please. Oh, um, really just letting go of my insecurities and knowing that the negative voice that keeps telling me I'm not good enough is always going to be there. So no matter how much I try to switch it off, hey, I can't. So why not use it to your advantage and as a superpower instead of as something that's going to be detrimental? So by changing my my mindset by literally flipping saying huh if this negative voice could be a superpower what kind of superpower could it be and how could it serve me so that thing is like well it's telling me that i'm not good enough okay friend what am i not good enough at okay you're not good enough at thinking on the spot great like what you said brendan it's a skill and now friend thank you for telling me i'm not good enough i'm gonna go out and get better and train that skill so at least for me that was the turning all the things that held me back to actually being the things that I now use to fuel me to push me forward. So good. How about you, Tom? Because I've also seen you uh, develop that skill. Like I, I remember the first time seeing you speaking on stage and then somewhere, I don't know if it was my event or somewhere else, you, you just, you slayed so bad. I came up to you, I was like, oh my God, that was like the best I've ever seen you do. And it was like this huge leap in, in like skill set and command of stage. How did you develop that, 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 that ability? Um, the, with anything, if you want to get good at something, you, you just have to do it over and over and over and to have the mindset of a learner so that you're telling yourself, it doesn't matter if I'm good at this right now. What matters is it's what I call the only belief that matters that humans are the ultimate adaptation machine. And I, I mean that literally at a species level. And one of the things in my career that's set me free is really looking at the nature of being a human, the physics of the human experience. And every species has to decide, do you come pre-programmed with everything or do you have to learn it? And obviously humans are sort of the ultimate point of have to learn it. So we're born literally half-baked. You couldn't take care of yourself if you wanted to, whereas a horse, 20 minutes later, it's up running around doing all the things that a horse can do. And you can leverage that That's your advantage, which is to say, I am that I engage in deliberate practice. So I just approach everything knowing that if I put time and energy into something, I am going to get better at it. And so I don't need to be good at something right away. I'm I don't know if you, if y'all, if they do their feed freeze on you guys, raise your hand if their feed froze for you or it's my side. Okay. They're, uh, Kevin, you might message them and let them know they froze on us a little bit here. And we'll get back to them. Um, I think it's theirs. Can you all see me okay, though? I'm coming through all right? Okay, good, good, good. Okay. 
You know what? That's pretty amazing because they're in Los Angeles, California, and I am here in Puerto Rico, and somehow my Puerto Rico internet is beating Los Angeles. Let's go one for Puerto Rico up in this house. Let's go, Puerto Rico. Okay. That's amazing. Uh, hopefully, they'll be able to jump back on with us. Uh, We're here. Can you guys hear us? Oh, you're back. Okay. Oh <laughs> I, was just saying, I have no idea what Everyone happened. froze, but he was so fire. I was like, I didn't want to stop him. <laughs> <laughs> I think it, you know, here's what happened in the meantime in which you froze. I just did a group celebration that my Puerto Rican internet is better than Los Angeles internet <laughs> right now. Bad. That never happens. I feel good about it right now. Are you guys plugged into the Ethernet, or are you guys on the Wi-Fi? That might be. The we're thing. we're on Wi-Fi, but we have all the internet in the world, so oh, well. I have no idea why that just happened. But well, now let's see if you can repeat that fire about where you. <laughs> where where you did I off. lose you? Uh, you were just getting into like where the adaptation was seen. The the horse just popped out. And it's up and running. <laughs> all right. So um, my thing is accepting that I. M average is a, was a huge breakthrough for me. So I didn't need to be special today. The reality was just focusing on that we are designed to get better. So if we're designed to get better, then it's making sure that you're doing the things you need to do to actually improve deliberate practice. But if you're doing that, then you know that on a long enough timeline, you can be anyone at anything. Because most people, they just don't have the grit and the fortitude to see something through. So the big sort of maniacal laughter that I do in my own life is, there's no question. I will be embarrassed from time to time and people will make fun of me and they think they've got me. I'm against the ropes and I'm internally like, Wah-ha-ha. what you don't understand is I won't give up. And a year from now, you're going to start fading 10 years from now. You're not going to have the stamina or worse. You're going to get successful and then you're really going to lag behind. And I've proven to myself that I'm always looking forward. I'm always trying to build up, you know, a future that's bigger than my past. And so the amount of energy I'm willing to put into my life, just one by one, all the people that have mocked me throughout my life at different phases when I wasn't good at something. And they were, I mean, not right to mock me, but they were right in assessing my skills as not being very good. But I knew that if I keep at this, that I will be able to ultimately perform at a level that they're not able to perform at. And so just having that belief sees me through the moments where I really do suck. I really am bad. I'm not gifted. I'm not talented. But because I know what awaits me on the other side, if I push through, I can achieve something extraordinary. And so my whole life has been about, I'm always looking forward. But when I take a second to look back and I think about how far I've come, it's, it's really pretty exciting. Oh, it's so awesome. When you guys think about how far you came in and you said, okay, we're going to start this new endeavor together. We're going to build this new Disney with impact theory and, and the other broader efforts you're working on right now. How did you have that conversation as a couple? Uh, because we had this conversation with Dave. I don't know if you saw it yesterday with Dave Hollis and he was very vulnerable in sharing maybe, you know, as a, as a couple, they went on too much, too soon, too much, too fast. And that caused a lot of strain. And I shared how, you know, you guys were there when Denise and I asked you as a group, like, should we work together? We're trying to figure it out. Like I've been doing it by myself for 10 years. Like does she want to participate? And everyone half the table is like, no. And the other half of the table, like you're so adorable together. You should totally do it. And we made it about two months. And then we just said, we, this way she didn't love it and enjoy it. And, and B, we recognized that it wasn't going to be healthy for our relationships. We said, she said, that's not my thing. And I feel like we got so much feedback about that yesterday. People were like, wow, because so many people are thinking about working with their partners. And obviously you guys do a lot on social media talking about how to have great relationships 
together, which is why I want everyone to make sure you follow both of their accounts on Instagram because often she'll share her side, he'll share his side, and she's always right, he's always wrong. But you know, it's pretty, pretty good. And so I wonder, what is it that, what was that conversation like? And how do you, how do you make that decision? Yeah, we're going to build this together, even though it might bring strain here sometimes. Well, so I'll answer a question that, that's maybe slightly tangential to that. So we, we um, have been working together off and on since the time that we met. So I was running a film school when we met and she ended up being a TA that reported to me. Um, so there was, you know, early days of that. And then once we got married, it was uh, like eight years of basically her just being a full-time housewife. And so the real interesting conversation for us was how she transitioned from being a housewife to being an entrepreneur to ultimately and, and reporting to me, but then to ultimately getting to the point where she could actually perform so well that the only um, honest and useful way to approach the relationship was as peers. And so to go through that transformation, as you can imagine, I was really comfortable with her reporting to me. That I had no trouble with whatsoever. She would, when she was just in the housewife phase, she was making all my meals. She was putting out my clothes. It was awesome. And I loved it the most. And then as she began to really flex her muscle and say, no, 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 I'm capable of more. And she had gotten sucked into business almost by accident. We just needed somebody to help ship the bars. And so I was like, hey, do you just mind, you know, shipping the bars, not a lot going on. And then we started growing so fast. And to help me to be a good wife, she got in more and more. And then, and this is where I will let her take over the story, you know, she realized that, that she wanted to do more because she was killing it. Wow, over to me. Um, so really, uh, you want me to finish the story? Well, you take it whichever so at least, you see. Okay. So my evolution was definitely, um, I'd been a housewife for eight years and I was finding myself helping out with quests, started to realize I was my own person. I really love learning. I really love growing. And the hard thing was sitting with him and saying, I don't want the life we had agreed to when we got married. I wanted four children. I now had to assess, do I actually want children? Because I love business so much and I love learning. So we had to sit down and have a very honest conversation about what that looks like so if anyone's thinking about going into a business with their spouse or their partner or you know whatever is have that honest conversation about what your what makes you happy what you're looking for to get out of the business and both have that honest conversation and meet each other gracefully in the middle um, and so he said who wouldn't want their clothes to be put out for them every day of course I would but obviously your happiness means more to me so we had to then figure out logistically how we transition from that into being business partners and that comes with things like he works 18 to 20 hours a day because my health I just can't so he would come into my room when I'm off work and he'd start talking business so coming up with strategies on how you differentiate this is business time and this is spouse time I use a lamp that was always something that I stole from like the um the Brazilian restaurant when it's like more meat no meat um I was like, like I, I did a lamp that was like on work off work so I literally would have a lamp in my room because he would walk in he would walk in going oh babe blah 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 now imagine you're De, you know, de decompressing for the day and he comes in with a work problem. So over time we said, okay, this light means this. So he would walk in the room and go, babe, see the light on? He's like, 
love you and then you would walk back out again <laughs> um so coming up with little rules like that were really important but the biggest biggest key was when we decided okay partners 50 50 i knew he was going to work more than i was so i said to him you should take more ownership like this it doesn't there's no ego attached i don't care if you have 51 percent. you're going to put in more time and effort so that makes sense you take it now he pushed back and he's like i need you to know we're equal partners so discussing that discussing exactly what your split is is going to be really important but not your split based on emotion split on actually what you both have to bring to the table and your strengths and weaknesses i knew tom was going to work way more than i was so it just seemed fair to give him more shares um but once we decided on 50 50 the key part of this was knowing okay what is our goal we want to build the next disney okay so if we know that any disagreements that we have because let's face it couples disagree so whether you bring that into the business or not you're going to disagree so in those moments where we disagree on a business strategy can we both agree that isn't good for our goal so we both said yes we can agree if we butt heads and we just a standstill that isn't good for our joint goal so collectively who's going to make the final decision if we end up head to head because you have to have a final decision now once you have to make that decision before you get in that situation because let me tell you emotions will definitely take over so we had agreed before we ever got there that he would make the final decision. Now, that isn't based on the fact that he's male or me, female or anything like that. That's based on the fact that we sat there and in honesty said, who has a better skill set at making this final decision? I, I don't find that, you know, a dent to my ego. He does have a better business sense than I do. Um, so, yes, for my own selfish reasons, for the collective goal that we have assessed, it makes sense. So in four and a half almost five years of impact theory we have only once ever butted heads where we couldn't convince the other person so if we butt heads i can either convince him or he can convince me but one time we literally neither of us could convince each other we we're at standstill i was in, you know like in it and he was in it and it was in front of our whole team and he just turns around and he's like all right i've heard your point but i disagree we're going this way and that was in front of our entire company, in front of our whole team. Now, emotionally, of course, that does sting. I can't help it. That's just natural. So I was like, okay, it stings. But we agreed. It's him. He has to make this decision. So I, I processed it in my mind. I was like, all right, Lisa, no matter how you feel, we decided he was going to do it. And that's the decision we're going to make. And in that moment, we had no standstill. I kissed him afterwards. So there was no effect between our relationship and our business keeps thriving love it i love it. what i love about it is how conscious intentional and um transparent you are with each other because that just takes a lot of work like most people what they do is they avoid these conversations because they're uncomfortable then they get going at speed and then accident you know car crash train wreck like the worst ever because they didn't have the tough conversation like on the daily and on the weekly and on the monthly not just at the very beginning because I think that's the thing is a lot of people can have the tough conversation at the beginning when it's, you know, philosophy and ideas. But then when you're in the middle of it and it's like this thing's falling apart, that person sucks. We have to fire this person. We need more support. You didn't do good today. That's where that real conversation thing comes into play on a consistent basis. I'd love to move and chat, ask you both. Maybe we'll take it like uh, each of you gets like two answers to this, even though that's kind of silly. But uh, so you start the show impact theory 
tons of you want to start a show. If you could give two pieces of advice to starting a show, and maybe each of you take, you know, you each share two pieces of advice to start and scale a show. Like you want to, you want to really reach a lot of people. They're doing it through YouTube and a lot of other means. Like how, give, give us some advice here so we can have some tactical things to take down of like, do this when start show. All right, number one, get started. You have to start creating the content. You're going to suck in the beginning. That That is the nature of it. If you were going to take up soccer tomorrow and you've never played, you're going to suck at soccer. But you're never going to get good at soccer unless you play. So this is the thing that kills most people is they just never get started. Number two, you've got to actually get good. Like eventually, you have to get to the point where your content resonates with enough people that it can have the desired impact. And one of the things that drives me crazy is people think because I'm saying in the beginning, just get started. They think that just doing it forever is going to be the answer. You've got to get in there and practice. You've got to hold yourself to a standard. You've got to self-assess. Where am I winning? Where am I weak? What's working? What's not working? Have goals. Am I actually moving towards my goals? Yes or no? Reassess. Then make sure you pick a niche. If you don't niche out, you're never going to make this work. So the way that algorithms work they want you to be one thing and one thing only. Don't try to be a lot of different things. So I've even made this mistake with the content that we've created and we're now trying to split things out. So we just launched our new channel, Relationship Theory, which for anybody that's interested, follow hey, us on Relationship Theory. Now the reason we did that is we were making content on my channel. We yes. were making, Tom Bilyeu channel had the mindset stuff, Tom Billy channel yeah. had the health stuff, Tom Billy channel had the relationship stuff. And we found that basically people were following me for the mindset stuff. So even though we had this diehard audience that loved relationship theory, overall the episodes didn't perform. And then the algorithm would punish us for that. So the whole channel was being damaged by having relationship theory, but now moving relationship theory to its own channel, it's our fastest growing channel. So it's understanding. Wow. Insight guys. That's so good. So you have to understand the, uh, the realities of the medium. So everything social is driven by algorithms. So you've got to become a master of the algorithm. And it's one of those things you don't want to do that, right? You you're creating a show because you've worked your ass off to learn about a certain thing. And you want to bring that thing to the world. The sad reality is the world will never find you unless you learn how the technical side of these recommendation engines work because you've got to get them to start recommending you. Otherwise, no one is ever going to find you. So that's huge. And then wow. a big thing when you're trying to grow your channel in the beginning is go on other people's shows. When I was first launching Impact Theory and we had exactly zero subscribers, okay, that is a tough place to start from. I went on every single show that would have me. And I'm talking, there are interviews of me out there that have probably been viewed seven times. And I poured my heart and soul into those things. I tried to make everyone the best guest that person had ever had. I didn't hold anything back. There was no sleepwalking through it because it was small. I went hard. One, I wanted to get better. And then two, my hope was, of course, that people would find it. Be like, yo, I need to figure out who this guy is. So that would be my advice. So good. Give Tom a round of applause. Let's go. Oh, that was good. That was good. Okay. Mine's going to be somewhat different. Um, he obviously came from it from the algorithm standpoint. I'm just going to come from it from a personality standpoint. I didn't want to be in front of the camera. I was super tense. I was super nervous. Didn't think I had anything to offer. Um, when I eventually did, I basically just tried to mimic him, right? It's like I so admired him as a host. I admired everything that he did. 
So I thought in order to succeed, I had to be like somebody else. And by default, he was the person that I thought I had to be like. So when I first started, I just had him in mind, like, oh, he would do this. He would do that. That at least gave me the comfort and not have the anxiety to get in front of the camera. Right. Because then it was almost. It's like a little playbook in my head, like an instruction manual. Then over time, I started to realize there were certain things that I was holding back that were very authentic to me. That First of all, I was just worried I would get rejected for it. Um, and then secondly, I just thought, well, he doesn't do it. so And he's, he was successful, so I shouldn't do it. And then over time, I started to realize it actually is those little things, guys, that make us authentic and unique. And that is going to make someone want to watch you instead of the person that's also doing the same thing. Yes. Right? It's like we all, like with Lewis and you and us and like Rachel, there's so many of us in this space. But what's incredible is we all have something unique to offer. And so the piece of advice I would give is maybe have someone that you admire as a starting guide, but also start identifying what that is about you that's super freaking special and unique and let that out. So for me, it was like fumbling and making mistakes and I love being silly and making jokes and things like that, which he doesn't really do on camera. So on the camera. Um, but so I just, so I was like, okay, well, this is me. And in order for me to enjoy and not be like everyone else I have to just let go and see and in let going and seeing I was able to see you know that there was certain people that resonated with my story and the people that aren't gonna like you aren't gonna like you like I had someone comment on the fact that my set and my clothes looked like 80s because I had pink leg warmers on and they literally said they couldn't watch my content because my pink leg warmers were so distracting they hate my pink leg warmers too every time I bust I them out pink <laughs> leg warmers. <laughs> But the point being is in that moment, right, you have a choice to say, okay, am I here to please the audience? Because my goal is impact. And now this person can't watch my content. So my pink leg warmers actually aren't serving my goal. But at the same time, the pink leg warmers are authentic to me. And if I don't show up in my true authenticity, then I can't expect to impact others to show up as their true authentic, you know, authentic selves. So in that moment, I said, okay, I'm going to, I'll happily lose this viewer to keep my leg warm and let me be me. So that, that oh, piece of advice. So good. Would you guys light up the comments for Tom and Lisa so far? This is incredible. And they're going to look at this later on. So tell them what you love, you've learned so far in the chat, but also in the comments on Facebook so they can see this here because this is epic. Oh, my gosh, guys. Well, the comments are amazing. Oh, my gosh. Um, I, I love it. I wonder... You know, I asked Lewis this a little bit, um, and I really want to hone it on with both of you because you're so good on the show at interviewing people. You know, um, I, I, yeah, inter I think, yeah, Tom, you've interviewed me twice, and every time I walk away, I'm like, dang, that was so good. It was so good that I suck, and which is a, it's the highest level of compliment, right? Because if it's if I just go through and I can go through the motions, it means the person wasn't there, and they're not hitting me with it, you know, and they're not asking something unique and I just feel like I'm repeating the same thing over and over so I mean that in the most wonderful way as a person who wants to challenge myself and push myself I don't feel like I've ever done good yet on impact theory and that's a that's a huge compliment genuinely um and and it's not because you don't make me feel comfortable and welcome it's just I want to be great and you ask such great questions and it's a challenging show in that way and I think that's a really one reason I watch it so much so what is your philosophy of interviewing people and what makes 
a great interview, not from what they did, but what you're able to cultivate there. So the secret sauce to my interview style is to really know their world, to know where they're strong. Um, and once you know what their message is, you know where they're strongest, you know where they have like real advice to offer, then you can steer them towards that. Because I listen to the person so much that I know when they go into an area that either they waffle or they always say, Oh, uh, did they freeze on you guys? Give me a, yeah, oh, me too. All right, let's see what's happening here. We can see them again. I just can't believe my internet's so good in Puerto Rico today. Did you know yesterday, so the big thing, uh, we were actually waiting for my um, office to be done before we were going to do Influencer Summit. And then we found out it was going to be like another two and a half weeks until we had fiber internet at this new office that we built down here. And so I was, I was going to delay it. I was just going to delay it. And then, uh, you know, we did a couple of tests here at the house and thought maybe it could. Yesterday we did six and a half hours live without a blip, without a miss, which was like literally last night we got done and I was just prayers up. I was like, thank you, God, for letting us go that long because that's just, you know, super rare. Um, do you all love these two, by the way, so far? Are they awesome, Tom and Lisa? I hope they can come back on and reconnect. We'll have to see how it goes. But, I mean, just their, their ability to be authentic and to share their relationship advice with one another um, and through you to the audience. If you haven't followed them on Instagram, a lot of their poster boards they hold up are their six, you know, relationship advice, you know, points. Their five ways to communicate this, six things to make, a, you know, this successful and, you know, those they've taken, you know, that old idea of the listicles where you, like back in the blog days, they found out that by saying 10 things to make you more confident, that's called a listicle article, right? Where you're like seven things to make you this or three things to do that. Those get way more clicks. They amazingly kind of took that concept super visually and they basically on social media, they hold up a board and it'll be like, you know, five things of relationship or seven ways to communicate better. And then it's a list and they're just standing physically in front of a board and they have a picture taken of them holding the board with the points. And when you go look at the engagement they get on those, it's literally stunning. So for those of you who feel like I can't get on social media because I don't have a fancy video editor. I can't get on social media because I don't know fancy design. They literally draw, they write stuff out on a whiteboard and take a picture with the whiteboard. And I just, I like to mention that because I really believe we've come into a, a sort of a technophobe era of our industry where we think, well, I don't have that fancy technology. I don't know how to do that video. Like I don't do videos like a, a, a Gary Vee who has, you know, dozens of people on his video team because I don't need to. And that's not my game. And I don't have that like ambition and for me, I'm like, I don't have to figure out those things, but maybe you want to. And so you have to pick and choose how complex you want to go. But I'm always here to remind you, you can be simple at this too. You can be really simple at this. Think of how many speakers have asked you and looked at you almost with pleading eyes over these last couple of days and genuinely asked you to keep it simple. 
How many speakers told you, do one thing, do it great? How many speakers said, don't try to do everything all at once, do one, get good, believe in yourself, do it again? Uh, many of you guys were here with us today with Nick Ortner at the beginning of the day. And he had texted me right before and said, you know, one of the big struggles uh, that is hard to tell people is what Tom just told you guys, which is get good. Get in the game immediately. But immediately, listen, let me say this really clearly. Get in the game. Like immediately. But also immediately have the guts to evaluate your performance. Like immediately go, all right, how did, how did I do? Re- did I do well there? What would make me more comfortable next time? What would make my advice more understandable next time? What would make my content deeper next time or more profound? What most people do is they bumble through life showing up in the same unintentional way. And so what ends up happening is they never grow their audience. Even though they put in the years, they're not growing their audience because they're not growing their skill set. Why? Because to grow your skill set, you have to grow beyond your insecurities. To grow your skill set, you got to grow beyond your insecurities. To grow your skill set, you have to say, oh, okay, I've got to put in the work here and measure myself. So let me give you an example. Here's how to tell if you're experienced and you're really good yet. The difference between newbies and those who are more advanced. Do you have your own measurement system to know whether or not that show or that podcast was good? To know whether or not your week's worth of social media was quote unquote good. To to simplify this, let me ask you this question. How are you measuring yourself? How are you measuring your content? How are you measuring your shows? How are you measuring your promotions? Now the trick question, did you know those measurements in advance? See, this is what differentiates the newbie to those who scale in the seven figures and eight figures and nine figures in this industry. So, uh, and I'll give you an example of how that actually parlays into this interview we just had with Tom and Lisa Billiard. Did you notice what they said? Tom noticed and their team noticed when they started putting relationship advice, relationship interviews into his main show, what happened? They saw the metrics that mattered to them go down because they knew how they were measuring themselves when they tried something new and it didn't fit within that measurement metric. They said, oh, that's wrong. We can't keep doing this. It's going to hurt us. We're going to spin this out and put it over on its own thing. Why could they make that decision? Because they knew how they were measuring themselves. I can't emphasize this to you guys enough. I'm so passionate about it because when you realize how important that is, you know, when you realize how important that measurement is, everything changes. We got Lisa and Tom back. Yeah, sorry, guys. Hey, guys. Uh, I'm the world's worst guest, so I apologize. (laughs) 
It's okay. You guys are doing great. I was just saying that the difference between uh, those who are beginning and those who are more advanced is the people who are more advanced know how they are evaluating and measuring themselves. Yeah, measurement, I will just tell you that one of the big breakthroughs for Lisa and I at Impact Theory was when we realized that whenever we meet as business partners, we should only be looking at spreadsheets and talking numbers. And you would think that we should get together and, you know, vision board and where do we want to go? And we found that that actually wasn't that productive, that those sort of big ideas would come to you at random times. You could write them down, talk about them, you know, in other meetings where execution was the name of the game. But when we got together to really look deeply at the numbers and know exactly what the state of things were, um, you know, what, get, what gets measured gets improved. And that, that really, once we started doing that, we like four-folded our revenue. It was pretty crazy. It was a very dramatic uh, change. Wow. For those of you, uh, for those of us watching, like Tom, Lisa, what were some of those numbers that you guys discussed that we should have like on our, our measurement? for everybody. Um, one at a high level, you just want to know what your net profits are. So um, one of the biggest areas of danger are that people think they're winning, but they're not paying attention to their bank account and making sure that they actually have more money coming into the bank account than they have going out. Because a lot of people um, don't realize the single most dangerous thing for a company is rapid growth. Now, why would that be true? I can hear you asking because cash flow is where people get themselves into trouble. Um, and I remember at Quest. So at Quest, we grew by 57,000% in three years, and that's in manufacturing. So this is square footage, millions of dollars of equipment, thousands of employees. It was insanity. Wow. And I remember people trying to tell me, hey, as you're growing this fast, like you need to be careful. This is actually very dangerous. And I just couldn't, I couldn't make that make sense. That didn't strike me as true. And then as you get in and start trying to map out your cash flow, you begin to realize, oh, this actually really is true, especially in manufacturing where there's a huge gap between when you're actually going to recoup the money and when you have to outlay the money for the, um, for the ingredients. So yeah. that got to be really, really crazy. So paying attention to that is huge. Um, whatever key metrics are, if you're a social influencer, you're going to have a lot of key metrics. Um, so things like on, um, for us on YouTube, view velocity is huge. What was the view velocity of our most recent episode? Um, another thing that we measure, click-through rate. Click-through rate is hugely important. Um, number of monetized um, views, right? So don't get lost in just views. If you need to keep the lights on, you also need to be paying attention to what your monetized views are. What's your growth rate? That's another thing that we pay attention to. So not just the, um, the, the number of people that you've brought into your ecosystem, but the actual percentage rate of growth and trend lines. Trend lines are huge. Are you trending up? Are you trending down? Are you flat? Um, getting a sense of where you're trending uh, is really, really big. And then we're you know, constantly looking at dollars. What costs what? How much are we spending per episode? How much do we bring in per episode? What shows are profitable? What shows are losing money? Um, you know, when we, like now, is it, do we have a higher performing episode if we film a guest in person versus if we film a guest over Skype? The cost structures are different. Certainly the, the end product looks different, but does the end consumer actually care? So staying on top of things like that um, are really, really important. And then what did that's you find, by the way, now that we're all in a, in, a, in a sort of forced virtual world right now, it's hard to do in-person production. 
did you find that Skype is different than in person in terms of its performance on the internet later on? We're, we're really weighing that right now. So we have a hypothesis that yes, that it matters. Um, we don't have all the data that we need, but I will say early data is directionally, seems like it's going to say that in-person matters. Okay, good to know. It makes me happy too. It feels so human. <laughs> Look, on every level, as I know you know, it's so much better. The rapport that you can build with people, which by the way, going back to I think where I lost you guys in terms of the secret sauce of my interview style, some of it is that. It was we were sharing space together. We were on a nice set. There were you walked in and you know, people are taking care of you from the moment you walk in the door. So people are letting their guard down. They just they feel respected and um, making people feel like, look, I know you've done a lot of interviews where people didn't read your book. I read your book and you are here because your ideas are awesome and the world needs them. And I want to help you bring that out. And that was a big thing. And then the sort of last now to be really tangential, the last part of that was um, that I would do like Lisa said, and I would be me. And so if you said something, wasn't in your book, but you happen to make an offhanded comment about how sad you were when your dog died, I'm going to ask about that. And I'm going to, I had learned to trust if something was interesting to me, that it was going to be interesting to the audience. And so I would go hard down those really weird tangents. So people would walk away being like, you've asked me questions other people haven't asked. And I'm not trying to be fancy. I'm just like, whoa, that really hit me. And I want to pursue it. I love that. I love that. Uh, Lisa, how about your interview style? Coming back to that a little bit of, of you taking that host role now so much stronger in the last, what, even just two years, right? Really? Yeah. Yeah. So we were doing a lot of Facebook lives on his page. And so I was kind of, you know, popping in. And the one thing, because I was so nervous at first, he was very sweet. He's like, babe, like, I'm always going to be your net, right? So, like, at any point on camera, if you freeze, if you don't know what to say, I'm going to, you know, I'll be there to, like, help. So that really helped me take the first step into going in front of the camera. And then once I evolved, it really was like what he said is just follow your interest. Because I was like... The fans may not like this, right? I don't know how people are going to respond. But if I'm excited, if there's something that the guest has said that really intrigues me and people see that you're intrigued and they see that you follow it, it makes the conversation way more natural. It feels very organic. And for me, like... I, I, you know, joke, hashtag joke, no joke. The show to me is my Trojan horse. I get, I get to sit in front of incredible women on a weekly basis and I get to learn and get empowered myself and get inspired myself. So as if I keep focusing on that, like if this person is teaching me something, if this person is inspiring me, then at least I know one person has been inspired by this video. And then hopefully then other people pick up on it and are also inspired. But if you're as a host, if I'm not interested, if I'm not excited about this guest, if there's nothing that I think is incredible, why and how can I honestly expect other people to think that or even want to click on my video? Like that doesn't feel good as a person to put that video out if I'm like, eh, you know, it doesn't really do anything, but let's hope to make some money off it. Like that doesn't compete with who we are. So it has to feel natural and exciting for us. So true. You're also really talented, both of you, of bringing on good people. You know, being the gatekeeper for your audience of making sure you're going to get a guest that drives real value or is, is, is interesting, um, not just, you know, uh, you know, podcasters who take anyone who gets a press release because they need a show person and they're not they're kind of interested, but they're really just monetizing the show versus like you, you seem genuinely passionate and interested in people 
even if I know Tom's interviewed some people he thought was crazy, um, you know, probably me too, but <laughs> like, where you do, like, he's willing to do that because he's interested to see, like, is this person real? Is this person, you know, tr trying to dig and, and, and bring your own interest into it is so important to be that gatekeeper for other people. I really value that about your show. Um, so I would love to share, I asked uh, everyone, all of our friends so far, if when you're jumping into the industry of influence, of being a thought leader or expert or curator in whatever way, uh, some advice for those who are starting like from scratch and then separate some advice for those who are scaling, who are hitting that, you know, six, seven, eight figure marks where it's like, wow, they're on that real growth curve Tom talked about earlier. Um, I'd love to hear maybe also with each of you, the two points of what would you say that new person starting out? And I know it might be similar to some other things you're talking about, but I'm mean, talking about people just getting in because with Influencer Summit here, we've tracked so many people around the world. I mean, I think 30, 35,000 people joined the Facebook group in three days, Whoa. you know, so it's like people really care and, and are interested, but a lot of them, there are new. So what would you suggest to them? Um, yeah, for me, it definitely is perfection doesn't exist. So if you're starting out, you can, you even said earlier, you're going to make so many mistakes. So a perfect example is I've produced an executive produced probably around 300 shows, episodes, right? Way more than that. Probably way more, I haven't counted, but let's say 300 hour long video pieces of content. And one episode I had Raddy Shetty on, our girl Raddy. I, yeah. I had her on my show. And we shoot it, love it. Right at the end, she leaves. My team come up and they're like, we don't have any audio for the second half of the interview. Oh. Oh. No. Now, again, I think of myself as quite an expert in this field. There's a lot of things that I will happily say that I'm not. Did we lose them? Guys, did we lose them again? Oh, no. Oh, she was so good. She was getting into it. Internet Los Angeles. Not to speak of like serendipities, but did you notice Tom Bilyeu's shirt literally says F.U. Los Angeles on it? I'm just saying maybe there's some karmic things happening there that we're losing them on the Internet. Um, I'm just proud and shouting out to Puerto Rico love today. We got the Internet here. Uh, that was gold, by the way. No perfection. I, I, I remember shooting one of my online courses. And my online courses, you know, are tend to be, they can be five, 15 hours long. And I did like a two-hour straight-to-camera segment. Fluid. Not, it was so good, I thought. I get done, and Travis, who was my videographer at the time, he realizes as we're about to leave, he didn't hit record on that segment. And it was so, it like, immediately on the inside, I die. And three seconds later, I go, turn it on, let's go. Three seconds later. Because that's just being a pro, you know, it just, it's just getting at it. And I think that's what's really important. So I just want to share with you all that it's not going to be perfect, as she said. And I think you heard that from a lot of the speakers here, too. A lot of the speakers, who, who heard that from a lot of these speakers? Who it's like... You get, you got to get in and, and, and get better. Um, but I love some of the metrics he talked about. I want to repeat that because I saw the chat saying he was going too fast there on this. Some ways that they're measuring their YouTube show. View velocity. 
you guys should write this down by the way view velocity what does that mean it means when you post something how fast people watch it in that first hour or two meaning you want to develop something with your audience where the second you post something they're so excited to watch it that they view it and they share it that's called view velocity okay it's called view velocity i think that's super key also um what's really important for you guys to watch and pay attention to uh, i'm sorry and a little more on that view velocity too is you want to make sure that you are doing all you can when you post something somewhere you want to share on your other platforms linking to it to increase that share velocity because the algorithms all say how how engaged is this person's audience and you can work that algorithm so for example when we post something on youtube you know you want if you post something on youtube you want to be linking to that all over you know the internet to get people watching that right away so that has to be a strategy that's related to view velocity he said click through rate click through rate is whatever call to action you put in the video or whenever you show an ad or something in a video how often and how much they click through obviously uh, another one monetized views how much are you earning off of your videos and he was really clear about tracking that growth rate growth rate is in your audience and this is really important to track y'all your audience it's growth rate is tricky because you have to get new people in to make up for the people who are dropping out right you always have this going on people coming in people dropping out and that growth rate is really dictated on those two metrics are we engaging the community enough to make them stay to make them feel part of something to make them feel recognized honored understood driving the value for them but then also are you driving in new people for those of you who are launching something new these metrics in your first 30 days are really important really important trend lines you can measure that in usually your dashboard of youtube just to see where you're measuring up where you're growing which country you're growing in how people are sticking and staying with you um i think those are all really important i just want to come back to the idea here that i think is truly like super important and that is that you know your metrics what are you measuring like how do you know if you're doing good where are you going to measure yourself as an example when i give a presentation let me give you guys how i do it when i do a keynote or if i was a guest today i when i watch it again when i watch the replay of myself which i hate doing but i will do to get better here's how i measure myself i will say number one did i add value to that audience in such a way they got two or three new tactics that they could go do this week in other words whatever i spoke about did i just talk about myself or did i give them tactics they can implement this week did i remember to tell them to implement something this week write it down did i tell them to implement something this week if i'm a guest on a show and i don't tell them to implement something i have lost my real ability to transform behavior don't speak just philosophy and don't just speak about yourself always every interview i do or every speech i do did i tell them tactical things to do this week and did i bug them encourage them cheer them on to actually do it this week just like many of you 
Those who've been watching here at Influencer Summit, I'm begging you. I'm pleading to you. I'm incentivizing you. Shoot a three-minute video of a life, a major life lesson you learned about yourself this year or in your life. Just one lesson. Post it in our Influencer Summit Facebook group. And we're just going to pick people who've submitted awesomeness and give you literally thousands of dollars of free marketing training just for submitting. If I'm a guest on a show and I don't tell them to implement something, I have lost my real ability to transform behavior. Don't speak just philosophy and don't just speak about yourself. Always, every interview I do or every speech I do, did I tell them tactical things to do this week and did I bug them, encourage them, cheer them on to actually do it this week? Just like many of you, those who've been watching here at Influencer Summit, I'm begging you. I'm pleading to you. I'm incentivizing you. Shoot a three-minute video of a life, a major life lesson you learned about yourself this year or in your life. Just one lesson. Post it in our Influencer Summit Facebook group. And we're just going to pick people who've submitted awesomeness and give you literally thousands of dollars of free marketing training just for submitting. Please remember when you submit to use hashtag influencer summit so we can find it depending on where you're posting on uh, on the internet in which country so please use hashtag influencer summit so we can see your posts but that's me making something tactical tell them to do something this week and by the way you do have to do that video by friday <laughs> okay tell them to do something I, i'm going to measure like that i'm also going to measure in my presentation or interview did i do what i call the energy roller coaster did I do the energy roller coaster? Was it times I was big and enthusiastic and joyous and other times more contemplative, thoughtful, deep? That's really important. You know? That's really important. Kevin, you can mention uh, message Tom and Lisa. Their internet's completely out, so you can text them. I don't think they're real. Join us back, guys. I apologize for that. I'm sad. It's okay. Were they awesome, by the way? Because they're going to look at this. They're going to feel so bad. Would you guys celebrate Tom and Lisa in the chat in the comments down below? We love you, Tom. We love you, Lisa. Would you go subscribe to them on Instagram? At Lisa Billu, at Tom Billu. Um, let them know. They feel so bad about it. And I, I know they're going to be great. Just celebrate them. Share screenshots you did get of them everywhere you can. Use hashtag Influencer Summit. They feel so bad. Uh, and... Let me get back to, so what, how do I measure myself? Did I give tactical instruction to implement this week? Number two, did I do the energy roller coaster? Was I big? And was I also contemplative? Was it that I show enthusiasm, but I also show a, a different level of heart, more on that connective side of heart? Third thing, did I remember to honor the host or the audience and not just like, thanks for being here, guys. Did I like genuinely show appreciation for the audience and the host in a way that was genuine and, and, and authentic, that, that people could feel, that people could feel? Fourth, did I speak my life's messages? So for you, so you all know, for me, one of those things for me is live, love, matter. So I want to know, did I talk about living, vibrant reverence for life? Did I talk about aliveness and energy? 
Love. Did I talk about the power of relationships? Did I talk about opening your heart to others? Did I talk about being vulnerable? Did I talk about connecting with other people? Matter. Did I talk about making a difference, being of service? Did I talk about servant leadership? So why did I give you that? Those are some things I know I'm going to measure myself on every dang time. And if I'm going to measure myself on those things every dang time, it helps me prepare better. And it helps me strive to get better at those things. For those of you who are new out there, if you don't know how you're going to measure yourself, you're not being intentional yet. You're going through the motions and that's not going to serve you the best. I hope that helps you guys and makes a lot of difference in what you're doing. With that, I do want to move on because we do have our next speaker. I hope, I think. You guys, Kevin, will have to let me know. Do we have Anthony here? Maybe Kevin can tell, tell me or somebody can tell me. We've got Anthony on. I think he's here. I'm going-